Hi everyone. I just wanted to take this broadcast to focus on the readings that we had throughout our first run of episodes. Um, most of them by Fia Gloss, starting with a reading from The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. He really helped us uh, with those readings and finding um, interesting passages to read. Um, he's also a great writer himself uh, and creates very interesting narrative games that you can play at fiagloss.itch.io, and that's F-I-A-G-L-A-S. The last reading that you're going to hear in this episode is not one that you heard um, during the prior episodes. It is actually original fiction by me. Um, I wrote it recently um, as part of a writing workshop um, in which we were all given um, prompts and had a short amount of time to write a piece of fiction based on that prompt. Uh, at, and this was at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in Portland, Oregon. And I was really happy with uh, how my little story turned out, my little tiny paragraph of cosmic horror, so I hope that you stick around to the end and enjoy it as well. No live organism can continue for long to exist sanely under conditions of absolute reality. Even larks and katydids are supposed by some to dream. Hill House, not sane, stood by itself against its hills, holding darkness within. It had stood so for eighty years, and might stand for eighty more. Within, walls continued upright, bricks met neatly, floors were firm, and doors were sensibly shut. Silence lay steadily against the wooden stone of Hill House, and whatever walked there walked alone. Diabolic, hmm? Does Jennifer look like a devil to you? No, you're not a devil. The only devil around here is the killer. But I understand how you must be feeling. I know what it feels like to be different, and the conditions that go with it. Pity, irony, revulsion, annoyance. People have the ability to make you almost hate yourself. Well, there's a big difference between you and me. When the car bashed into me, I lost something, but you, you gained something. You're in the position to do extraordinary things with that gift of yours. Phenomena, directed by Dario Argento. And a man sat alone, drenched deep in sadness. And all the animals drew near to him and said, We do not like to see you so sad. Ask us for whatever you wish, and you shall have it. The man said, I want to have good sight. The vulture replied, You shall have mine. The man said, I want to be strong. The jaguar said, You shall be strong like me. Then the man said, I long to know the secrets of the earth. The serpent replied, I will show them to you. And so it went with all the animals. And when the man had all the gifts that they could give, he left. 
Then the owl said to the other animals, Now the man knows much. He'll be able to do many things. Suddenly, I am afraid. The deer said, The man has all that he needs. Now his sadness will stop. But the owl replied, No. I saw a hole in the man. Deep, like a hunger, he will never fill. It is what makes him sad and makes him want. He will go on taking and taking until one day the world will say, I am no more and I have nothing left to give. Apocalypto, Mel Gibson. Where is it I've read that someone condemned to death says or thinks an hour before his death that if he had to live on some high rock, on some narrow ledge, that he'd only room to stand? And the ocean, everlasting darkness, everlasting solitude, everlasting tempest around him. If he had to remain standing on a square yard of space all his life, a thousand years, eternity. It were better to live so than to die at once, only to live, to live and live. Life, whatever it may be, how true it is. Good God, how true. Man is a vile creature. Crime and Punishment, Fyodor Dostoevsky. die, let it not be like hogs, hunted and penned in an inglorious spot, while round us bark the mad and hungry dogs, making their mock at our accursed lot. If we must die, oh let us nobly die, so that our precious blood may not be shed, in vain then even the monsters we defy shall be constrained to honor us though dead. O oh, kinsmen, we must meet the common foe, and though far outnumbered, let us show us brave, and for their thousand blows, deal one death blow. What though before us lies the open grave, like men will face the murderous, cowardly pack, pressed to the wall, dying, but fighting back. If we must die, Claude McKay. It's Halloween. 
Mary told Cook, while Cook boiled caramel and dipped apples and laid them on the table to dry, buttery and glistening in their new candy shells. Cook smiled indulgently and gave Mary a ball of caramel to play with between her fingers and shooed her out of the kitchen. It's Halloween, Mary told Mr. Evans, the gardener, while he stuffed old clothes with hay and sticks and raised his new-formed scarecrows onto their stands, propping them around the grounds like watchful sentinels. Mr. Evans smiled, not quite as indulgently as Cook, and gave Mary a stick and some string to tie around it and shooed her out of the garden. It's Halloween, Mary told Mr. Blake, the coachman, while he oiled the hinges on the front gate so they would creak like such and not like so when the trick-or-treaters came to call. Mr. Blake smiled coolly and gave Mary an old horseshoe, heavy and red, with streaks of rust like drying blood, and shooed her away from the gate back toward the house. It's Halloween. Mary told herself, caramel and rust streaking her fingers, the stick shoved lengthwise into her hair so her ponytail held it in place, high and bobbing bright in the autumn wind. Atop the house, crows cawed their delightful caws into the air, and a curtain swayed, pulled aside and let go by an unseen hand. Delighted with herself, with the world around her, Mary tucked the horseshoe into her pocket and raced on. It's Halloween whispered the wind through the eaves, blowing against the pressing dark of the October night. It carried dust and fallen leaves, and as it blew, it left them tangled in the cobwebs, knocking the spiders from their holes, setting them tumbling down into the tangled overgrowth of the flower beds, like fat black raindrops. It's Halloween, hooted the owl in the trees at the back of the property, wings mantled and yellow eyes wide, alert, Staring at the house, it flexed its talons against the branch that bore it, splintering wood and bark alike, and when it launched itself into the air, it made no sound, but soared as soundlessly as a shadow. It's Halloween, breathed Mary, nose pressed to the glass of her bedroom window, eyes fixed on the figures coming through the gate, five of them this year, five trick-or-treaters coming to play with her, to be her friends, and maybe even... If she was very, very good, and very, very lucky, and if they were very, very clever, to stay for a while. Oh, how she hoped they would stay for a while. It's Halloween. She repeated, and hugged herself tight, watching her new friends come. With Graveyard Weeds and Wolfsbane Seeds By Seanan McGuire Colossus rose from the dunes, like a great rock jutting up from the sea. It stood solitary and distinct, surrounded by nothing but sand in every direction. In the oppressive silence, I stood there and watched it. Though it had no eyes, I felt seen. Though it had no ears, I felt heard. Though it had no mouth, I could hear its voice, singing to me softly. It told me of the wonders buried beneath the shifting sands, of ancient races and strange geometries that no man hath seen. I wept and prostrated myself to the Colossus. Then I felt it move, 
When I opened my eyes, I found myself at a great height, looking down upon a man with only emptiness where a face had once been. Colossus by Jeremy Whitson